Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Get breaking news, exclusive contests, and more delivered right to your inbox. I like knowing things. Join the Right Choice Club at Talk1370.com and you'll be in the know. Just go to Talk1370.com and click on the Right Choice Club from Talk 1370. The Right Choice. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill. Les Kaiser and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are live in Austin, Texas, talking some motorsports. This is John Massengill, and I am in the studio tonight with Tony Calderon. And Tony is a partner at Speed Group. How's it going, Tony? Great. Thanks for having me back. You're quite welcome. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Green is going to join us later in the show. He is up at Atlantic City doing the Global Rally Cross. He's doing the PA announcing for the, it's the whole series. He's having a blast this year. And Les Kaiser has the week off, taking a little time with the family. But we are very excited because we got Tony. And Tony's in Austin tonight and has been a friend of the show since the day we started, since uh, not, not long after Coda announced their opening. And, uh, and we also have, have one of his drivers on the show. we got Will Owen, and he's a fantastic American race driver and racing in the European Le Mans Series, and it's going to be really exciting to have him. And we've got another driver from the F4 Championship that's coming to Austin for both WEC and Formula One. we got Skylar Robinson going to join us here in about a half hour. So, man, it's going to be a great show, but, uh, but Tony, we're going to get Will Owen on here in just a couple minutes. But, um, but tell us a little bit about Will, what he's been doing this year. And, yeah. and a little bit about his history, too. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, Will, um, he's been uh, with my company, Speed Group, so we manage him. We've been with him for uh, a few years now. And it's been a great adventure with him, to be honest. So, you know, we uh, when we first met him, he was racing in the USF 2000 series and uh, started sort of, sort of a long-term plan with him. Uh, we went from USF 2000. We did a couple of years in the, the Pro Mazda series. And after that, you know, sitting down with him and his sponsors and everybody, we decided, you know, it, it would be a good idea to try sports cars. And um, he came over to Bahrain last year and tested in the uh, World Endurance Championship rookie test with uh, RGR Sport, which is the team that I, I was managing last year. And um, he did a great job and sort of opened up some eyes. And uh, long story short, he got a ride with uh, United Autosport, which is one of the big teams out of Europe, uh, owned by uh, Zach Brown and Richard Dean. And um, it's been three races so far in the European Le Mans series. He's won two out of three. Wow. He also raced at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, finished fourth there in class. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could say that his uh, his uh, transition into sports car has been pretty good. I mean, obviously, you know, he's still a rookie and still a long way to go. But, I mean, we're very proud of him. And I get to go with him to all the races in Europe. And uh, it's been a uh, really fun adventure for sure. Well, it's been it's really been a recurring theme for us the last couple of weeks because we've been talking about all the young American drivers. You know, we had Gustavo Menezes on last week, and we're talking to a bunch of the drivers from the F4 championship that's coming here to Coda twice. But that is a really pretty cool story because I know Will, last time we talked to Will was a couple of years ago, and he was he was going to school up at TCU in Fort Worth, and yep. he was trying to do school and racing. 
And you were telling me that he's not not in school temporarily because he's been so successful yeah, he at has racing. No time for that. <laughs> yeah, when he's doing that well, that's pretty cool because you know you're he's racing for a team that's owned by Zach Brown, or partially owned, I guess. And uh, so that's a pretty incredible success story. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, no, he's doing a good job. And like you said, he's uh, had to take a break from school. It, it, it's just almost impossible to do this European stuff because it's not just the races. You know, he's been over there. I mean, he'll tell us in a second, I can't remember, but it's been at least another four or five times over to Europe just for testing and uh, visiting the team and all that. So it's it's it gets tough to uh, to go to class and, you know, um, get the attendance right when you're in yeah. Europe almost every other week. Basically. Well, you know what? We got him on the line. Let's go ahead and get Will. He's calling in from the Dallas area. Will Owen, welcome back to Speed City, buddy. Hey, man. How are you doing? Can you guys hear me? Ah, we got you, buddy. I appreciate you coming back on the show. And uh, we got a familiar voice on the mic for him with you as well. Tony Calderon sitting here in studio with us. Hey, you guys doing well? Thanks for having me. Appreciate well, con congratulations on your step up into the European Le Mans series, man. That sounds like you have knocked it out of the park. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, it's been a super awesome year. And um, by, no means, by no means it's been easy. It's been uh, difficult on a lot of levels. I've had to learn so much new stuff. Um, but first of all, I just got to say United Autosports has been just absolutely awesome. Uh, running with them has just been, I mean, everybody on the team, you know, we, we all know it's the people that count and um, the people on the team are just awesome. Uh, it's a mix of, uh, you know, English and French guys and uh, everybody does a good job. Um, all the mechanics, you know, the driver change guys, we haven't had almost any issues in the pit stops this year. So um, having that great team, a, a really organized team and a very professional team like that, um, it helps so much for me to get into it and because it's like, um, you know, it's, it's just organized and I feel comfortable in that environment. Um, another thing that's helped me a lot is, uh, my teammates, Philippe and Hugo and, uh, Philippe has been a, an amazing leader this year. So our success is really, uh, boils down to, you know, everybody working together and, uh, everybody playing their part really well. Well, I know that, you know, people think of motorsports being, you know, the drivers in the spotlight and, of course, the hardware, the machinery, the cars, and all. It's very exciting. But I know that motorsports is a huge team sport because everybody from guys like Tony, team managers, to the guys in the pit, the engineers, everybody. And you're, like you said, your you're co-drivers helping you out. It's it's uh, it's a big deal. And so uh, I know that, that that is a is a big deal in motorsports in every level. Yeah, and, and actually in sports cars this year, it's been totally different. That's been one of the things to kind of adjust to. Um, and it's been nice to have Tony to go to the races with me because he's had experience in that world and has helped um, sort of coach me a little bit with how to how to work with the team and um, how to um, balance, you know, like my needs with everybody else's needs. Because first of all, you know, we have three drivers in the car and that makes it just a totally different game. Um, it kind of adds a lot more pressure, you know, because you don't want to, you don't wanna, like screw it up for your teammates. Um, but then like, it, it's just so much more focused on the whole team. And when you add in pit stops, you know, like the racing I've been doing in, in the road to Indy, um, it was just totally different. We didn't have to do pit stops. So we didn't have the crew, um, you know, their role was really important before, very important. But now, um, it's those split second decisions and errors that the team is also making that could cost you the race. And this year they've done an awesome job. They haven't had any of those errors. So they're kind of like the drivers where they have to be performing as best they can during the race. And um, it's been exciting to be a part of that and kind of help, you know, refine the process of the pit stops and get everything right. So, um, you know, it takes a lot of communication skills and a lot of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it definitely pushed me up to my limit, but I've enjoyed it. Well, Tony, I got to ask you, you know, you, you've seen a lot of drivers start young, 
What's it been like watching Will with this, I mean, pretty meteoric rise? I mean, this is a big deal. I'm racing at Le Mans and, and doing so well in this. I mean, what's it been like watching somebody and, 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 and comparing him to other guys you've had come through? Well, I mean, it's been fun, obviously, because when we were talking about this last year, about, like, you know, what, what it would be like if we switch over to sports cars and, and you know, we said, okay, let's do European Le Mans, let's do LMP2, let's do Le Mans, the 24 hours of Le Mans. And then knowing, you know, I talked to him, like, you know, we said, hey, it's not easy. You know, it's different than what you're used to. You know, you don't have as much track time as you usually do. You got to share the car. You have to share the setups. You have to uh, um, sacrifice a bunch of things. And then we show up in Silverstone, the first race of the year, and we win it. <laughs> so obviously that <laughs> well, this was is easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I think I think for Will, then we went to Monza, and that was not an easy race at all, as Will Will he knows. And uh, exactly. so it was kind of the up and downs. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's it's been a great adventure to be honest. I mean, for me, as you know, when when you get to work with somebody like Will and you get to manage their careers mm -hmm. and you you know you give them advice. I, I, you know, I, I guess I look better than I usually do right now because yeah. it, it, it turned out really well. But honestly, it's just been a lot of work. Will has done a great job. Um, the team's done good. We, we were able to, as a team, put together a group of people that we wanted. Not only having Will with uh, his teammate Phil, Philippe Albuquerque, which that was a big uh, pushing point for us for the team. We wanted to have a big, uh, uh, older, experienced driver with him. Uh, his other younger teammate, Hugo, which kind of has the same experience as Will, you know, but he's very good. Uh, our engineer, Gautier, uh, he's an uh, engineer that I've worked with in the past. So we all kind of really pushed, you know, to try to get the best possible team together, and it worked, and it's paid off. Uh, but it's been fun, you know, and, it, and it's fun. Like, Will and I get to experience this together. You know, we travel the world uh, together. It's been fun. There's up and downs, but they've been mostly ups. I mean, especially Le Mans, the 24 hours of Le Mans, because, you know, I... I He's not the first rookie that I go there with, and and he knows that I told him like you know, it's harder than not you easy. think it is, and when you think it's hard, it, it will get harder, uh -huh. and it's and when you think you're overwhelmed, it it, it will be more than that, uh, and uh, and I've told every single rookie I've been there with, and they're always like yeah yeah okay whatever whatever I got this, and then yeah. you get to a point and they're like oh man you're right let's you're hear right. So true. let's hear from your so perspective true, yeah. Will I mean has what was it like were you reaching that overwhelmed point I mean where where were you when you were when you realize that this is this is going to be a little harder than you thought. Well, man, like, it's totally true what Tony said. Like, and I was kind of the same because I went to the test and certainly the track was pretty tough, but I felt like I had a decent um, sort of handle with the track. I got to do a stint at the end and was kind of getting a feel for it. And it was at the daytime. So, um, you know, I was feeling pretty good about it after the test. And I went home for a couple of days and relaxed and just got ready for it. Um and I came back feeling super confident, which was, I felt well prepared. Um, but when the week started going and all the pressure started ramping up and I saw the event building to, to what it is, um, which is just an incredible atmosphere, an incredible environment, just the coolest race in the world. When I realized I was competing in that, the pressure started to build. Um, and really, it's all about the pressure, man, because it is a really difficult race to drive like nighttime, 24 hours. Then you add in on top of that, you know, just so much work, so much, um, so much hard work resting on everybody that everybody's been pushing so hard. The team's been pushing so hard to get this done. We all want to do, uh, do well so bad. Um, that, that adds a lot of pressure that you have to deal with. And I think good drivers can deal with it, but no matter what for Lamar, it's just so much different than what you're used to. Even like the ELMS races are big races, but, it's just totally different. And um, 
you're staying up super late during the week, getting all the testing done. Um, and you know, there's just, it's a week long event and you're really going the whole time, just trying to get ready, mentally ready and prepare. Um, and then the actual race is just, for me, it was an absolute blur. I mean, I slept a couple hours, which was not too bad. Um, but by the end I could hardly talk. I was just sitting there kind of in a daze, like just so, um, mentally, um, just, just tired. Um, from driving the driving is basically it's 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 different than most tracks because it's like you have a lot of time to rest on the straights at Le Mans um but mentally it's exhausting because you have LMP1 cars to deal with you have traffic to deal with and you're going 200 miles an hour for most of the laps so all those things together um I thought for sure I was gonna uh, you know be super comfortable right away and it wasn't comfortable um but fortunately we made it through without making you know any big errors well Will I'm uh we're we're talking to Will Owen by the way he's a driver for United Autosports. I'm on the unitedautosports.com. I'm looking at your profile, and I was I thought you are you from Texas? Says you're from Plano, Texas, right? I am from Texas. I've, I'm from Texas and grown up in Colorado. Okay, because yeah, Tony was saying Colorado, but um, I was just looking going down the list, looking at your favorite cars and stuff. But but obviously United, it's this is just a an enormous opportunity for you. And I mean, t- talk about the the moment you realized that you were that these guys were coming to, to, to get you to race for them. I mean, what was that like? I mean, it's like being drafted into the NFL or, you know, if you on the comparison. Yeah, no, seriously, it was kind of like that. And, and it all came down to that Bahrain test that uh, we, Tony organized with RGR. And that ended up being um, a critical thing. And we're um, obviously very, I'm always very thankful for that opportunity. Um, and it worked out well. I was able to meet Richard, uh, Richard Dean there, one of the owners of United in Bahrain. And um, I had to push hard and, and do my very best. And, uh, it worked out, and I got to know Richard a little bit, and um, it just was the perfect fit for the team. Uh, I was kind of the, the exact kind of guy that he was looking for. So, you know, at that point, when we were getting it all signed up and figured out, um, I was super excited, but I didn't really know what to expect. But for me, it was like the moment when it was, you know, like getting drafted in the NFL kind of thing. Like that moment was when I got to the, the, the first test in Portimao in January. Um, when I saw all like, I think it was three or four United trucks. They all look the same. They're all painted the same, like just an awesome operation all lined up. And I was walking in there. I was like, wow, this is, this is something, this is the real deal. Um, that was kind of the moment. (laughs) Yeah. That's got, I can, I can picture that, you know, with all those millions of dollars worth of equipment, vehicles, trucks, race cars, that's pretty incredible. Hey, well, we got to take a break. Can you stick with us through the break? For sure, of course. All right, well, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Speed City Live in Austin, Texas, and we'll be back after these messages. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. 
Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Keep up with the latest headlines from Austin and beyond on the all-new Talk1370.com. Stay informed with the latest news, weather, contests, and more. It's all just a click away at Talk1370.com. Just one more way to stay connected with Talk 1370. Talk 1370. The right choice. This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. Thank you, Mr. Hobbs, for bringing us back from the break. So we are live here in Austin, Texas. I'm sitting here in studio with Tony Calderon. This is John Massengill. We have Will Owen on the line. He's a driver of United Autosport racing in the LMP2 class for United Autosport. And, Will, I want to ask you a couple questions. I mean, sure. we're, we're still on the starstruck thing. You know, you just talked about the, the day you realized that this, how big this was and what an incredible opportunity this was. But also, what about working for Zach Brown? I mean, that's one of the biggest names in motorsport. That's got to be incredible. Yeah, man. I mean, well, there was there was so much hype um, going around Zach when when I was sort of getting onto the team because of his uh, McLaren thing, and um, it's been really cool to get to know him and get to know um, his approach sort of the business side of racing. And um, it, he, he his team is run really well. Obviously, um, he and Richard have done a great job um, organizing the team. All the little details, uh, it's just it makes me so excited to be a part of it. And um, Zach is just, he's at the top of the game right now in, in racing and um, doing really great things for McLaren and uh, doing great things with United as well. So um, I've, I'm, I've enjoyed getting to know him a little bit and I uh, hope to continue to do so. Well, I know that's uh, got to be a huge thrill. I mean, we're obviously watching anybody like him, American involved in, in the highest level of motorsports and Formula One and McLaren and everything. It's going to be fun to watch what happens with, you know what, that's a good question. I want to ask you, what do you... <laughs> You know, you being a race driver, one of the uh-huh. one of the greatest in the sport right now, Fernando Alonso. I want to ask you, what what would you do if you were Fernando? Would you go to IndyCar? Would you stay in and see what happens if Honda gets their act together? Mm-hmm. Where, where where would you go? What would you do? Oh man, that's a it's a tough decision. Um, I think, man, with with the awesome new IndyCar body kits that are coming out and the momentum that he's coming off with the 500, I think it would be a good time for him to make the switch, maybe. Um, and I'm sure it's not an easy choice because he wants to go back and win F1 again. And I think you couldn't go wrong with, you know, staying or leaving. But I think with that momentum he's got from the 500 and just how close he was to being super successful, I, that's, I think that's personally where I'd go. I think I'd jump to IndyCar and uh, give, it a, give it a shot. Man, it, Tony, what do you think? It was He made such a huge impact. You remember, remember the test that he did? They put it on YouTube. It was millions of people around the world watching him test at IndyCar. Yeah, well, no doubt IndyCar would like him to go there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Sure. Um, no, I mean, like I said, like Will said, I mean, it's, um, you know, without obviously knowing what the the background is, I'm sure he wouldn't be able to make as much money in IndyCar as he does in Formula One, I would assume. I don't know. You know, I know Honda's involved in all that. Uh, and I'm sure Zach Brown, like I said, like Will was saying, we got, we've gotten to know him a little bit this year and i can tell you he's one of the hardest working guys in racing he's, he's pretty impressive but he's always on it's uh really so i'm sure whatever he decides it will uh, or he'll be involved at least with that decision as well yeah because there's that whole mclaren andretti thing going on as well right you know, who knows 
I don't know. I mean, it'd be great for IndyCar. Um, <laughs> I would assume the McLaren, as you know, even though they're improving, probably won't be competing with the Ferraris and the yeah, we're improving, Mercedes yeah. uh, next year. Even I mean, it, it won't be probably fighting for wins. But, yeah, I mean, just thinking realistically. So, I mean, I would like to see him in IndyCar. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. So, but I, we'll see. It's, I don't know yeah. if uh, IndyCar can afford him. Well, so, Will Owen, I want to ask you, what about, yeah. so where are you in the championship this year? Obviously, with you won two out of three, you got to be doing pretty yeah. good. Yeah, well, we're, um, yeah, we're we're second right now. We're, I think it's four points behind is what it is, um, behind uh, one of the, the Dragon Speed uh, orange car. Um, and uh, it's it's been close because they've been on the podium. Let's see, I think they were second, first, and second. So they've been right there on the top two steps the whole time, whereas we had our um, not-as-good race in, in Monza where we finished sixth. So um, it's close, and um, they've got super, super good pace. Um, all the drivers are just ridiculously fast. And, um, you know, it's like Austria, we really earned earned the win, I think. Like, we really, really earned it because we pushed super, super hard, and I think they might have had a little bit more pace than us and um but just the circumstances of the race and um the team executing a little bit better on on the united side um that's what got us just that tiny little margin to take the win so um so far that i mean there's been a lot of great teams but they've been our main competition so um yeah i mean we have to keep pushing and innovating as everybody else will be doing um for the last three rounds um it's just going to get more difficult and uh, we definitely can't relax now well it's amazing what you've done so far this year but you know, while I got both of you guys here, I got you know Tony, your boss, and you, the driver. I want to ask you guys about about WEC, about the World Endurance Championship, because it was really a, you know we had Audi drop out, and then we had this bombshell this year just just dropped. I guess what about a month ago or so, when Porsche says they're not coming back for 2018. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to get y'all's perspective on this. I mean, no, obviously nobody knows what's going to happen, and but uh, you know, Will, let me start with you. What did you think when that you heard that and and you know, what do you, what do you think could happen or, or what are your impressions? Um, well, for sure, it was kind of a scary thing because, um, you know, uh, I would love to do the WEC in the future and, and that series is, um, its success and its stability, I think is important for a lot of the sports car series. Um, so, I mean, when Audi dropped out, I was super sad because I've been watching, I've been an Audi fan my whole life and I've been watching them, um, for so long with the R10, the um, R15, and all those cars um, winning just tons of Le Mans races, and I think that was awesome. So it was really sad to see them go. Um, but I wasn't, like, super worried until, you know, obviously Porsche dropped the news pretty recently. And um, it's definitely kind of a scary thing um, because it's like having that manufacturer at the top is really cool. Um, but I don't know. I I would say if um, if they can do it right, and maybe it's the op- maybe it's a chance and an opportunity to make LMP1 even better. Um, and make it better cost-wise for the manufacturers to get in. Um, and then if they can do that, that'll, that'll be really awesome because the more manufacturers you have at the top, I think, the better. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. It's kind of looking, you know, kind of gloomy right now. But, I don't know. I think I think it could it could turn out to be a good thing if everybody, um, well, I don't know what the right moves are. But, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Well, I know that I want to get your take, Tony. But, you know, when, when these guys come to Austin um, – they all, I mean, I, one of my favorite things to do is to talk to the engineers, right? I used to talk to the Audi guys, the Audi engineers, and, the, and Toyota and Porsche, and they all talked about how this is what made the road cars better. This was truly the test bed to, from the track to the road cars. I mean, and the Toyota guys talked about 
parts that were they were testing on the track right then that were literally production parts that were going to go in the next Prius. And now, I mean, there's so many hybrid cars. I mean, I think I think production cars have now made that leap. I think we're not there's no turning back with electric and hybrid cars now. I mean, I th- if you look at how many cars, production cars are now hybrid or are, are hybrid or just about to be you know, Volvo and maybe even another manufacturer saying they're not going to have any internal combustion only. But see, LMP1 to me was so important to that program, to those programs, for that research. I, you know, maybe it, maybe it wasn't now that they're dropping out, but maybe Will's point to the cost, maybe maybe lowering the cost. But what do you think, Tony? Well, you're right. And I think like Will was saying, it's, it's a, sort of a bittersweet situation because you do have what you had with the LMP1 teams where, you know, the, the highest racing technology even probably higher than formula one for the last few years yeah. doing this hybrid systems which was amazing and you see the cars and they're just beautiful and they're so fast and they're like spaceships but it created a situation where you know these teams were spending just as much or more than a formula one team so it's it's very hard to sustain so it'll be it's sad to see them go i don't know what will happen i mean we'll see if toyota stays on next year or not i'm, I'm not exactly sure how that could work if they're racing themselves you know probably won't be great but so that's the sad part but on the you know the sweet part of it is you see what IMSA has been doing with like DPI for example where you have a much easier entry for manufacturers um, that could you know and and the cars are not much slower than what an LMP1 would be right now I mean we saw Lamar like you know Will was doing laps only eight seconds off an LMP1 car and that's you know that's not even the DPI cars that he was you know if you let them go like they'll be pretty close so um so yeah, it, I think it'll be sad to see the, those crazy technologies go. I mean, like yeah, like I said, it's great for uh, them to be the, developing those for for the road cars. But obviously, right now, in just the, in the economical situation, it's just not working out. So maybe losing the hybrid technology will open up the door for more manufacturers to come in, and then hopefully, in a couple of years, we have LMP1 again with a bunch of cars and not just two Toyotas. Hopefully, you know, I think that's the most logical thing is that they just make the barrier to entry shorter you know it could be a tough transition you know uh from toyota right now they're all ramped up with the zillion dollar cars and and all the money for that that the way it has been so that transition could be very difficult but well well we're just about out of time i i, I gotta ask you a question that okay. we ask everybody sure. that comes on speed city uh every race driver anyway because i know sure. you're you're riding around in all this crazy exotic hardware in the lmp class uh what do you drive every day um, right now, I'm actually driving a Toyota 4Runner. Oh, and, uh, oh, that's it? <laughs> I know. I know. So many people are like, oh, that's what you drive? But there's totally a reason for it. Because um, you're in little, Colorado, little, right? Yeah, exactly. And I had a little Porsche before that was only two doors. And that was a lot of fun. It was super fast. But the two-door thing, especially in Texas where the roads aren't that good, I just wanted to like an upgrade to something big and comfortable. And, um, man, I had a great time this summer driving. Actually, with Tony, we we drove up to the top of a mountain in the Forerunner. Um, I can tell you, so I didn't know if Forerunner could do what we did. And <laughs> with a race driver. I would have never, like, I, you know, I used to give Will crap about his car, but now what we did with his Forerunner, I mean, we went up. It was mind-blowing. Yeah, to, like, <laughs> places you could never believe you could go to. Like, we, uh, we were joking. We could have filmed a Toyota commercial out of that. Yeah. So I was kind of jealous of me having a little, you know, BMW that can go anywhere, and he has his four-runner that can go up 14,000 feet okay, up Will, the mountain. Okay, so. Will. Look, okay, I know, four-wheel drive, roomy, but, you know, there's there's lots of vehicles. Like, okay, so there's the new Hellcat-powered uh, 
Grand Cherokee. That would work, right? It's a Jeep. It's four wheel. It's all wheel drive. Uh, it's got yeah. 707 yeah. horsepower. That might work, right? <laughs> yeah, that power might be nice, but I don't know, man. There's something about the rugged Toyota. I don't know if the Jeep would make it all the way up, man. I have total confidence in the Toyota now. Like, it's just, like, such a reliable car. And it's got, like, it's got this system, man, like, where if you uh, cannot get up the hill and it's spinning the tires, you click this little button, and it activates the computer. The computer, like, vectors the torque or something, and it, it can climb almost anything. It's just crazy. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, Will Owen, thank you so much for coming back yeah, on Speed City. And congratulations, man. You're just this incredible story. Love to see these American drivers doing so well. And uh, so thank you so much for coming on Speed City. Uh, thanks for the compliment, and thank you again. All right. See talk to you later. soon, Will. Yep. Bye. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have another young American driver because we got somebody else from the F4 championship that's going to be coming to Austin. Very exciting. we got Skyler Robinson on next. So stay tuned, and we'll be back after these short messages. If you've ridden motorcycles in this part of the country for long, no doubt you know of Bud's Motorcycle Shop. Bud left this world a while back, but his legendary Harley service rides on. No longer is Bud's in downtown Austin, it is now Ravel's Heavy Duty, and they've moved out by the Formula One track. You'll see all the familiar faces, so bring in your new, used, and abused, but there's no sign of shiny showroom prices. So check it out at RavelsHeavyDuty.com. The racetrack, it's where legends are born where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. If every talk radio program were the same, what would be the point? The Michael Berry Show is a little bit different. We're going to talk about politics, but we'll also talk about how great it is to live in Texas. Weekdays, 5 to 7 on Talk 1370. It's the Michael Berry Show. Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. See, we get NASCAR drivers on, too, every now and then. Welcome back to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas. John Massengill sitting here with Tony Calderon, uh, the, uh, one of the partners in the Speed Group. And, Tony, I, I really love the fact that I'm just going to go back to 2012 when we first started Speed City. And, and, you know, remember when Coda was announced, there was all this, the possibilities of what could happen in Austin, Texas. And, and that's where the name Speed City, you know, we kind of stole it because they were out there talking about Austin could be the next Speed City and what could happen here and and it's and it's happening. It's just slow. Like you you be riding down Mopac and you'll see a 911 go by with Coda stickers on the back and maybe even a number on the side where they've done a track day or whatever. But talk about you and and Speed Group and why you're here in Austin and when you came to Austin and all those things. Well, actually, 
Um, ironically, I, I, I'm from Mexico City originally, but I grew up in Austin, so I've just, <laughs> it's okay. just a big coincidence to be here for the racing component of it. But yeah, I mean, it's you can definitely see uh, when I um, I was living in different places, working in IndyCar and Champ Car and sports cars, and when I decided to move back to Austin, everybody told me I was crazy. I should have gone to Indy or Charlotte or one of those places. Yeah. But that was right around the time, uh, right after I decided to move back to Austin, they announced that they were building Coda. So I looked like a genius. Yeah. Obviously, I, you know, I, I had no idea, but yeah. obviously I looked like a You and Tavo uh, weren't communicating? <laughs> no, no. Sure, come on. Um, <laughs> you know, and yeah, like I said, it's taken some time, but actually, you know, I'm pretty excited what's happening now. You see, I was just out of the track on Friday uh, with a private group having fun driving a bunch of supercars around, so that was cool. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, the track now has, um, they have a Formula 4 school that they're setting up. Um, I was just with some good friends of mine that are uh, taking care of the Audi school or yep. Audi performance uh, experience, whatever they call it. Mm -hmm. Either they always told me they have like eight uh, R8s out yeah. there wow. or 16 R8s, I think, and a bunch of other... Uh, a serious got, stack They got of over hardware. 40 Audis, I think, out there. So that's... So, you know, it's really turning out to be what, what we always hoped it would be. So not just a big racetrack that has four or five events a year. You know, there's stuff going on there every day. They'll have, you know, now you can go and drive it, whether it's in an open wheel car or in a, or in a, a supercar. Um, plus all the other stuff they have on the side of, you know, the, the, they have a soccer uh, team that's coming in there. Yeah, the new soccer stadium, yeah. Uh, and what I'm the most excited about is they're in the process of opening up a world-class level go-kart track. I'm pretty that's excited. Right, yeah. I get to finally, you know, it's been, I've been in Austin for 20 years. I never had anywhere to go drive a go-kart. Now, finally, we will have that. So that will be pretty cool. Well, that's a nice segue because we've got F4, the F4 championship, which is really a fascinating thing because it's it's a, it's a team up between, you know, the FIA started it worldwide, and you probably tell the story better than me, but, but they teamed up with the SCCA here in the United States to have this essentially ladder system, for lack of a better phrase, right? You know, whether it's... Uh, to Formula Three, Formula Two, F Formula One, whatever you're going to do, and uh, and so they've got them coming here to the, to Circuit of the Americas twice. We got them coming in the for the World Endurance Championship in the Lone Star Le Mans, and then we've got them coming to Formula One. And so we have a driver who's actually he's quite involved in this. He's not only is he racing, but his dad's involved as well. We got Skylar Robinson. Skylar, welcome to Speed City. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate you coming on. I bet you're getting excited about coming to Circuit of the Americas. Absolutely. Uh, like you just mentioned, um, we're going to be there with WET the first time around and then uh, come back with Formula One uh, the second time. Is, uh, I think that's got to be a highlight for any young driver is, is supporting an F1 race. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked for that. Dude, I, you're, you're going to be in the paddock. I mean, all around the, the, the Formula One drivers, the greatest in the world. That's just got to blow your mind. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, just the atmosphere that you get from being in an F1 event uh, and I'm sure the fan hopefully the fans turn out be will be great for us um, and like I said I think it's just going to be a, a really special event and I mean obviously the racing you want to do well on the track but I think just as a, an experience in life it's going to be something that's pretty special for all of us. Well, I know that. Uh, let's talk about your season. I know you've you've had some challenges, but you're you're obviously making some progress here. Talk about your season so far, and and uh, and what your goals are. It's been a bit tough uh, this far coming into the season. Um, we finished, I think, fourth in the championship last year. Uh, we we missed 
three out of the 15 races. So um, we had pretty high hopes coming into into Miami at the beginning of the year. And then we've just kind of been a bit unlucky um, with some mechanical issues uh, pretty much through the first half of the year. Um, and then coming into mid-Ohio, we, we had a pretty good feeling that we had them all resolved. And uh, in official practice, we were – we ended up P3, so I think that that was a pretty big confidence boost for everybody underneath the tent um, to see that we we had the pace uh, that we that we were capable of. Well, I know it's got to be. I mean, how old are you, Skyler? Because most of you guys in this F4 champions are really young. How old are you? I'm 21. Yeah, so 21 years old, and you've got these amazing opportunities. But 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 talk about what you you know what what is are you in f4 are you are you what are your long-term plans are you hoping to, to go to indycar formula one what are you thinking uh really i've always loved sports car racing um i i've pretty much grown up going to the daytona 24 hours um and just it's a little bit hard to describe i guess the sensation i've, I've had when i was there i think i was about 12 years old um when I was sitting in the international horseshoe and, uh, you know, the cars were coming through under the braking and, and, you know, flames spitting out, um, brakes were gone. It's just, it's really just such a, a magical time for me is, is, you know, endurance racing at night. And I love the variety of cars and the sounds, um, that each one has and they're all very unique. So, uh, really just, you know, sports cars, it's, it's always been my goal. Um, and, you know, whether it's WEC or IMSA or Bunkpong, that that would be the um, the dream. Well, uh, I'm joined in studio tonight by a gentleman who's a team manager for some guys that race in the sports cars, Tony Calderon. And uh, and and Tony, what do you think about guys like Scatter that are using the F4, you know, that for that that series to to grow their career? Well, you know, it's interesting because the way the rules work in sports cars, uh, especially in Europe, actually, um, it's very important. Basically, you have pro am teams. And young guys like Skyler will be considered amateurs, even though they're probably not really because, you know, they're really fast. So, you know, we call them the, the silver-rated drivers. So you can make a big name for yourself. I think you had uh, Gustavo Meneses on last week, we said. Yeah. And uh, him last year was considered a an amateur, quote-unquote, driver. But, he, you know, you make yeah. a huge difference when you're a young guy coming from, from open wheel and uh, showing up and, you know, you team up with a couple of, like, really experienced guys and just go for the win. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you got guys like, like you said, you know, you, uh, Skyler, you know, you'll get the chance to, uh, uh, show what you can do at the WEC race. You know, there'll be a lot of, uh, very important people there. Um, we'll be, uh, all watching and, uh, it's, that, that's, you know, that's, that's a good first step. It's, uh, it's a big step from Formula 4, obviously, you know, it's, uh, to LMP2 or to, uh, even to GT cars. It's, uh, you probably have about four times the power <laughs> yeah but it's it's a great way to get started i mean you know everybody has to you know like like i tell any of my young drivers you gotta, you gotta go go-karting and then you gotta go either formula four or back in the day from a bmw or f2000 now or you know one of those things so that's you just gotta get into a car and get it's a good way to get a little bit of experience in what you know downforce and and suspension car uh, you know using the suspension and obviously all that stuff and then from there, that's that's where you know you really start uh, taking off, basically. Yeah. Well, Skylar, I want to ask you a little bit about. You know, we were talking right before you came on the show, Skylar. We we're talking about Austin and how, 
really, this, this circuit came out of nowhere back in 2012, and most of us had no idea it was coming. And we're talking about what can happen. And we get, we get a lot of calls uh, about people wanting to get into racing. If they're a young driver, like I've got my 16-year-old son doing our helping us out in the studio tonight, what if he wanted to get into racing? What, what's been your path? I'm Obviously, karting, I think I saw on your, your past, but how did you get to where you are? Yeah, I mean, just uh, like you mentioned, most young drivers start out in karting. Um, I started when I was 12 and did that for about four years. Uh, then I moved up to Skip Barber and visited a racing school in the winter of 2012 and ran their winter series. Um, and then from there, I actually raced in uh, British Formula Ford and did some F2000 the year after that. And then following year, just kind of the way the opportunities fell, um, I ran 1600 um, in 20. 15, and then F4 in 2016, and then uh, again F4 this year. Well, Skyler, we really appreciate you coming on Speed City. Before, we just got a little bit of time left, but I want to ask you, talking about, uh, I want, want you to tell everybody that's it's listening here in Austin especially about what to expect when they come to see you guys race at both WEC and Formula One. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a lot of young, aggressive guys, which um, makes it exciting, so... Um, I think we'll probably have, I would guess, 35 cars at the event. Um, and, and obviously, we have a, a standing start. And that's always exciting. And especially that first corner there going uphill with the hard breaking zone. It's going to be uh, gonna be pretty gnarly. But, um, yeah, hopefully we'll all get through the first lap and then can uh, <laughs> race in there. Well, Skylar Robinson, thank you so much for coming on Speed City. We wish you the best of the luck both here in Austin at WEC and Formula One, but the rest of your your season and the best on your career as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. All right, we'll see you when you get to Austin. All right. All right. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, Mr. Jonathan Green is going to bring the energy level up on Speed City as he usually does. And we're going to talk a little MotoGP because if you saw that race today, I don't know, guys. I, that may have been the best uh, of the year. And the last seven or eight laps with Divisioso and Marquez, incredible. And then also Jonathan's going to talk about the Global Rallycross because he was up there calling that race in Atlantic City. So stick with us after the break. You're listening to Speed City live in Austin, Texas. Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning Triple F3, 675 and 800. 
or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 Envy Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Hi, this is Gordon Deal. Join me weekdays for This Morning, America's First News. Hear the stories you'll be talking about and searching for all day as we go beyond the headlines and above the chatter. Weekdays at 5 on Talk 1370. Talk 1370. The right choice. My name is Christina Nelson, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. We've been having a blast talking to young American drivers really for the last couple of weeks now, and really fun to watch these guys. But I want to talk a little MotoGP first. Mr. Jonathan Green, do we have you on the line, sir? I'm right here, boys. How are you? <laughs> We're doing good. We're, uh, the producer is now removing his headphones after his eardrums got blown out by Mr. Green's usual volume. Your voice sounds like you have recovered from calling the race up there at Atlantic City for the Global Rallycross guys in Red Bull. No, I have not recovered at all. As you can hear, it's it's kind of hoarse. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was seven hours of just pure adrenaline. It was awesome. Well, before we get into Global Rallycross, I got I, I don't even know if you've seen it, Jonathan. Oh yes, I have. Oh good, because I was that race the last I don't know what at least seven or eight laps, if not more. But Davicioso and Marquez, it was phenomenal. And they were back and forth, and it was this—it was really a chess match. I was really—is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, it was. And and you know what's funny is that Mark Marquez is is so well known for his aggressive racecraft, and Dovi isn't. And what I, I really loved about that race is that Dovi had a completely different tire, rear rear tire to what um, Marquez had. <clears throat> but he really just showed him the way. And that last overtake or the last maneuver, it was as though Dovey knew darn well that that's exactly what Marquez would do, which is try to make a last gasp attempt up the inside, which is nothing wrong with that. But that's why he chose to break as hard as he could and make sure that he didn't hit Marquez. And so, yeah, it was just cat and mouse. It was chess. It was brilliant. The coverage, mind you, was fantastic. I mean, uh, Tony will agree. The Red Bull Ring is a fantastic circuit. But just the pictures that MotoGP, I have to take my hat off, uh, were just fantastic. Superb race. One of the best I've ever seen. And also one of the best Ducati performances I've ever seen. You know, I'm glad you said that because, you know, Jonathan, <laughs> you've seen so much more motorcycle, motorcycle racing than me. And I was watching that today. You know, it's one of those things I was kind of doing a couple other things. And after it was about eight or 10 laps to go, and I was like, I I'm going to sit down for this and not completely give it my attention. And then I couldn't move. I was screaming at the TV. It was, it was really, it was, I think it may have been my favorite race ever that I've watched. It was just so good towards the end of that race. But Jonathan, you were talking about Dovey and his strategy and stuff. We've got a clip that was from uh, BT Sport today that they did with Andrea Divizioso. I, I, we're going to play this, and I want you to listen because he talks about this strategy from tires to fuel to everything. Let's hear from Andrea Divizioso. Uh, me and Mark, we have a, a better pace than everybody, so so it was very difficult to stay with him, to battle with him, and it was very close in the last lap. I knew it was a, can become a problem because with Mark, it's a, it's a disaster. <laughs> in, the last, in the last lap, it's a disaster. And uh, I was really fast, but the last three laps, the Maria tire on on the edge, uh, I lose again uh, the grip, so I couldn't uh, create the gap. And in some corner, it was much faster than me. So I tried to 
stay inside, close the door, but uh, I give him the possibility to stay very close to me in the last two corners. And I try to, to listen very well the, his engine. And I listen and I hear in the corner before the last, he opened the throttle before me. So I knew he wanted to try the last corner and I didn't close the, the door and give me the possibility to exit faster than him. Uh, it was very difficult to, to do that. It was stressful. <laughs> but to win like this is amazing for sure. This track. I love it that he said that having Mark Mark, what he was meaning there was having Mark Marquez behind you right toward the end of the race in the last lap or two is a disaster. It's the worst possible thing you could think of is to have Marquez behind you. But Jonathan, what about the strategy he was talking about? I mean, it's and listening to Marquez's throttle and, and when he was opening and closing is pretty cool, huh? Well, and you know, and, and you know, what's amazing about that is, you know, we've been watching Lorenzo Rossi, Rossi Marquez, Rossi Lorenzo, you know, and, and I actually think that Doby just described what he's learned by watching all of this because he hasn't really been part of the aliens for the last few years. And frankly, um, he did learn. When you're up against Mark Marquez on the last lap, he's going to make a lunge. He was listening to the engine. It's the smartest move. I think Lorenzo, his teammate and two-time world champion, could, could actually take a lesson from what Dovey did today because, like I said, that last-minute maneuver where he knew that Marquez was going to make the lunge and go wide, he braked hard as he could um, and almost hit Marquez because, really, the defense was on the outside, but he decided to go inside and let Marquez go wide, which, like he said, allowed him to exit quicker and that was just pure genius on his part and he even had the forethought to throw his hand up in the air and say yeah, i knew you were going to do that yeah. i got you yeah are you talking about when he was uh, after the last turn when he's about to cross the finish line yeah, yeah when he was giving him he was kind of saying i don't know it wasn't an f you but it was uh but it was also i knew well, you were coming you're gonna do that yeah yeah <laughs> And those, but those last two turns, but before we talk about those, but back up in the race where Dovey was putting his bike on those corners, you know, like a turn seven when yeah. you knew Marquez had just killed it all day on turn seven and the way he was placing his bike to where he was essentially blocking Marquez's, you know, patented move in the, earlier in the race. It was just brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, there's no question. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting. You know, we've watched Honda dominate. We've watched Yamaha dominate. And we've always had a question mark over Ducati. And I think today we really saw that Ducati have got it sorted. Lorenzo was up there. And remember, he was a joke when he first arrived at Ducati and everybody said he made a mistake. Um, but we saw with Lorenzo and with Dovey that that bike is stable, is capable of running for the full, you know, lappage, uh, one of the fastest circuits they go to. The next up is Britain. And um, I think we finally dialed in the Ducati to the point where it's good enough to win any race. And now Lorenzo, once he dials it in and he's there or thereabouts, yeah. but now we really have a championship on our hands. Yeah, Ducati could win this thing. This is, uh, this is really exciting. And, uh, I mean, if you – it, this is one of those races that could really turn people into a MotoGP fan if they're, you know, if they if they've just even casual or whatever. It was really fun to watch. But, uh, but Jonathan, I got Tony Collar on here. You, you haven't even said a hi to him yet. He's he's doing a really, uh -huh. he's doing a really good job. I think you and Les, uh, y'all are in trouble, man. He's he's my go-to guy when y'all aren't here. Well, no, we well, well, we've known that since 2012. Are you kidding? <laughs> Plus. Plus, here's the worst part. We got to get out to that cart track before Tony. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll, we'll go at the same time. No practicing. There you go. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, Tony, congratulations on Speed Group and how you guys are doing. I'm so happy listening to Will. Uh, as you know, I spent a lot of time with him in the Toyota Racing Series down in New Zealand. And to be honest, he, you know, he didn't really shine as much as he wanted to. But boy, is he shining now. So I'm so happy for both you, Speed Group, and obviously a Texan like uh, Will Owen. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, like you said, I mean, he had a... When he went over there to uh, to uh, New Zealand, you know, he was young and just the, the whole point we knew it was going to be a tough situation, but he got a lot of experience and it's paying off now. And yeah, honestly, we, we're really proud of him and we've had a great time. And, and like you said, I'm, I appreciate that as the Speed Group as a company, we're very happy right now and very excited about the future for sure. I got well, a question for you. With the kind of up in the air system with WEC, and you are very knowledgeable on this, do you think that we could go down the road that America has gone down and see the likes of Cadillac maybe going to Le Mans and being at the top of WEC? Well, um, I hope so, to be honest, because I don't see what else can happen now. And that's me talking about, you know, I don't know what's going on uh, there with uh, Gerard Novo and uh, the ACO guys and the FIA guys, but. I think it's tough, and um, I, I'll be the first to admit when the DPI uh, uh, concept came up uh, came out a couple couple of years ago. I I was not a big fan of it, uh, but now it looks pretty good. You know, it's a really good uh, cheap entry for manufacturers. You know, you can just pick a car and develop a, an engine and a um, an aero kit without the crazy budgets of LB1 car right now with hybrid systems and all that. So who knows? Maybe I mean I think next two months will be a huge. Um, uh, well, will give us a huge impression of what's going to happen because if Toyota pulls out, which they might or might not, like I have no idea. But if they do, then obviously they they got to figure something out. And DPI is the uh, the low hanging fruit right now. So we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch this. So hey, Jonathan, uh, you're Atlantic City, buddy. You're up there for the Red Bull Global Rallycross. How did it go? Well, I lost twice. Uh, on the roulette table, uh, my poker's rubbish, and my blackjack's not any. Oh, oh, you mean the races? Yeah, I was thinking maybe. Well, that's interesting, but like, the racing too. <laughs> to be honest, uh, no gamble at all. And the man who is winning, winning, winning is Scott Speed. He was fantastic this weekend, and you know, I mean, he is—he's an amazing guy, to be honest. Because as Tony and you both know. You know, here's a single-seater guy from five years ago who went to Barbados just for a bit of a laugh, uh, immediately got on the podium, and he's now one of the best rallycross drivers in the world. But uh, he won twice this weekend, but he was pushed all the way, and now second in the championship is Steve Arpin and Tanner Faust. So we now are down as we leave Atlantic City. we got a doubleheader in Seattle uh, in September, and then it all finales out in... Um, Los Angeles, where Speed won the championship last year. But Steve Arpin was the man I spoke to, and uh, he's on the move and second place today. Well, great. Well, we've got an interview you did with Steve Arpin here. Let's hear from Steve. Okay, Speed City fans, he's here again, and with a sweet smell of champagne around him, Steve Arpin, yet again on the podium, and now moving to second in the championship. Um, a hard-fought weekend, but Atlantic City threw up some great racing. <laughs> I tried everything I've ever tried to pass Sebastian Erickson at the end of that main. We had a great car. JCB Ford was incredible. It uh, Starting from the back row, two days in a row is tough to make it through the... There's a lot that goes on in those first couple laps, and to navigate through that is, is really tough, but that just shows how great 
great of a car my guys are putting under me. It just, it drives so good. <clears throat> we ended up getting tore up earlier today by Bigham, and it, it did a lot more damage than we thought. It was a lot deeper, and it took us the third heat race in the semifinal to, to really get it sorted through. But uh, when we got it all sorted out, that car came right back to life. I wish I could have got by him a little bit sooner and went and kind of battled it out up there with speed a little bit, but uh, that's the way she wrote today. How do you feel about the season? Because just watching you drive over the last few seasons, you've had some success, but this year you've really turned it on, and while everybody says that the VWs are there to be beaten, you're the only one really doing it. Honestly, where we really started to hit our stride was last year in Seattle, and we're really fast. We, we, we of all things, when it started raining, we forgot to fill up the windshield washer fluid, and I couldn't see for the whole main, but uh, it didn't reflect on how fast we actually were, so I'm really, really looking forward to getting back there, especially getting back on the ovals. I It's one of the places I thrive, and I grew up racing ovals, and uh, I think we, uh, we've learned a little bit more since, uh, since the last one, and I think we've got a couple more tricks up our sleeves, so hopefully it'll be good. We'll see you there. Awesome, Jonathan. Hey, Tony, I'm, I'm looking at you because he's talking as a team manager when you when a mistake is made, like no washer fluid, that's got to make your blood boil. <laughs> yeah, but that was pretty funny. Like, yeah. Yeah. All right, <laughs> as guys. As long as there's no mistakes made. Well, we're out of time. Jonathan Green, we will look forward to having you back in the studio next week, buddy. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks to all our guests, Will Owen, Skylar Robinson. And uh, check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. Talk to you next week. In my El Camino. Uh -huh. Roll the window. Hi, my name is Colette Davis, and you're listening to Speed City. Thought we'd see what kind of trouble we could find out on this messed up little town. Put the boss on the radio. Uh -huh. Take whatever comes. We'll go flying down the highway with my arm around you, singing bow. Like it should. Must be some kind of miracle. Texas weather can change on a dime. Flash flooding is expected to begin shortly. When the weather turns severe, turn to us for what you need to know. On air and online at talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.